You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. I firmly believe that if Bill Withers had been born in the time of the Apostle John and had played that song for him, John would be like, I can use that. I can use that to start off my 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 book that I'm writing uh, that God has inspired me to write to talk about this person called Jesus. And I know that Matthew and Mark and Luke have taken a different approach as I've I've talked about it. And, and there's a mo- much more of a historic setting and they got genealogies and they're talking about his, his, his birth and, and they're talking about his, his time as a young person. But as I told you last week, John's book is in a theological setting. He wants to take you all the way back to before time began so that you and I can gain an appreciation of who this Jesus is. Amen. He says in John 20 and 31, um, these things were written that she might believe that Jesus Christ is the what son of God. And that by believing ye might have life in his name. The stakes are so high. Amen. The stakes are so high. And there is this urgency that I'm trying to translate to you. There is a there is literally a knot in my stomach as I approach this again for a second week, as I really believe that that John's. um, I don't want to call I don't want to put any anxiety on him, but his urgency, excuse me, around helping us to understand who this Jesus is. That question is is important. And Bill Withers said it a different way. He says, before you wreck your old home, be certain of the new. Dadgummit, who is he and what is he to you? I would tell you, John would say, you better wreck your old home. And you can be certain of the new. I'm telling you that Jesus Christ is the what? Son of God. So much so that, that when he introduces first John, his, his, uh, one of his other, uh, books, he, he says it this way, the word of life, that which was from the beginning, which we have what? Heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. 
This we proclaim concerning the logos of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. So that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. He is saying you cannot have eternal life. You cannot uh, have relationship with the Father. You cannot have fellowship with him unless it's through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said that this is eternal life, that they may know you and your son Jesus, whom thou hast sent. That really is eternal life. Acts 4.12 says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. John 14 and 6, Jesus says, I am the what? The way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In First Timothy, it says that there's only one mediator. There's one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. You got to know who he is. He has to motivate you as a as a resource that we can rely on in terms of being kingdom strong. There is no greater resource that God has given us. When we talk about relying on our kingdom supply, if you will, relying on our kingdom supply. Yes, we need to refine our kingdom sight. Yes, we need to raise our kingdom skill. Yes, we need to remember our kingdom struggle, but we must rely on our kingdom supply. There is no greater supply that God has given us than himself in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the word. And John was desperate, desperate to help his readers to understand it. And I am desperate to help you to understand because if we think about Christ, Jesus Christ in the proper way, that we can better answer that second question is not just who is he, but what is he to you? Burn down your old house because you can be certain of the new. Jesus, as I reminded you last week, is the eternal expression of the divine intelligence. As I told you last week, Jesus is the disclosure of the divine essence. Those two things that the Greeks in their experience and the Jews in their experience would be concerned about when they heard that word logos. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. John literally blew their minds by telling them that I know you thought it was just a, a, a intelligence, a mindset that it was, it was God, as he spoke, as the writer of Hebrews says, in diverse times and in sundry manners, spoke to us by the prophets, but has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, being the express image of his person and brightness of his liking, likeness, excuse me. He said, this is God in the flesh. The word is located in a 
person and his name is Jesus Christ. You better know who he is so that you might believe and that by believing you might have what? Life and life in his name. And so with that urgency, I approach again this subject of the living word of God. We talked about the written word of God before, but again, just the living word of God. And and I just want to, and I know you might say to yourself, I did not wake up this morning to cut down or go through all of this theological high grass. I want to hear about something more simple. And I apologize to you in advance because I don't want to present to you the simple. I want to present to you the essential. Amen. You better pick up a weed whacker and start chopping because we got to get through this grass because this grass leads to the right response to the one who created and sustained all life. And I can think of nothing more important to talk about than what is the reaction that you and I are supposed to have to the one who is the head of the body of Christ, who is the head of the church, who is the is the uh, is the one who created and sustains all life for by him and through him and to him are all things. Amen. And so when 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 John says in his in his words, in the beginning, I will tell you that that is an emphasis on Jesus's eternity with God. Amen. That's 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 the first thing that that he's saying when he says in the beginning. And whatever beginning that you can imagine in your mind, will you go to that place? Jesus is there. Amen. Now we're not even talking about time. Just in your, let your imagination try to run wild to all, as far as you can in eternity past. And whenever you get there, Jesus is like, hello. You, you got a better imagination, a, a more expanded mind. You can go back further, uh, before the cosmos, all of that. And when you get there, Jesus will be there and say, hello. Because he was in eternity past. He is is an emphasis on his eternity with God. Isaiah 40 and 28 says it this way. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainted not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. Psalms 90 says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. And then Jesus puts a point on it in his own words in Revelations 1 and 8 when he says, I am the Alpha, come on somebody, and the Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come. The Almighty. I mean that. That again. If if we didn't pay as much as we paid for this mic, I literally would throw this thing down. Not just here. I would throw it all the way in the back and try to hit Pastor Mark in the head. That that that. Look, look, I mean, look at what he said. Not who who was, 
who is and is to come. I'm all of that and a bag of chips, the almighty. Bag of chips is in the urban context version. Amen. The UCV. Amen. But he says in Revelations 4 and 8, and the beast and each of them has six wings about them and they were all full of eyes within and they rest not day and night saying, holy, 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 Lord God almighty, which was and is and is to come. And then a verse that we were reminded of already during our service in Hebrews 13 and 8, which says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then one of my favorite passages of scripture as Jesus is is tangling, if you will. I love to say he's tangling with the the Pharisees in John chapter eight. And he said, your father, Abraham, rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. And they said, you are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham. He said, let me tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Again, just. You might think now young people that might be listening to this can say, yeah, Jesus you're not supposed to say it that way. That That's not the right kind of subject verb agreement. Jesus, you got a grammar problem. Jesus, I don't have a grammar problem. Before Abraham was, it's not I was. Before Abraham was, I am. Amen. It is an emphasis on his eternity with God, that Jesus is eternal. He's eternal with God in the beginning. And, and you know, that, that parallel in Genesis one and one, it says, when we began to mark time, the word was there. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So like I said, whatever beginning you want to begin in, <laughs> Jesus is there. Not from the beginning. He was already there in the beginning was the word. And the second point is, and the word was with God. That's an emphasis not just on the his eternity with God, but it's an emphasis on his mutuality with God. What are you talking about, Pastor, when you say mutuality? Literally, what John is trying to emphasize to us is that Jesus was face to face with God in fellowship, in close relationship in intimacy there was a communion that was between them jesus was being with and was active with god the father the word is in relationship with god there is a unity of nature yet there is a distinction in identity and so you're you're getting a distinction in personhood when you say in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and then he seals the deal in a second when he says and the word was god but here's a a preview that's saying if if you if you want to understand something there but there's a unity of nature that's coming i'm going to explain it to you the uh apostle john said but there yet there's a distinction in identity there's a 
distinction in personhood, but of the very being and essence of God the Father, according to Hebrews chapter 1. So there's an emphasis there that says he is, there's some mutuality there. They're face to face. There is fellowship. There's close relationship. There's intimacy. There's communion. He was being with and was active with God the Father. He said, I don't understand why that's so important. You will. You have to. Because he's saying in the beginning was the word. Eternity with God. And the word was with God. Mutuality with God. And then he says, and the word was God. Not mutuality. Now, not eternity. Now we're talking about equality. It's the linchpin of why Jesus can't just be a nice guy. And we'll get to that in a second. You, John is laying out a case for who Jesus is that you cannot deny. Amen. He he says not only was he there, so he's eternity. Not only was he with God, beloved, he 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 was God, or he he is God. An emphasis on his equality with God. When you go back to that John chapter eight and fifty eight that we were just talking about, when Jesus says, "Before Abraham was, I am." What was the reaction of the audience? In verse 59, it says, at this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. But they they picked up stones to stone him because what they heard in their mind was blasphemy. Jesus was saying, I'm God. It wasn't, again, a brother that had bad subject verb agreement when he says before Abraham was, I am. He connected himself with the I am that they all knew in Exodus chapter three, when Moses says, what name shall I give them? Then when they ask who who sent me, he says, you can tell them that I am sent you. I am that I am. Jesus says that I am. That's me. I am God. Amen. And so their reaction is what seals it for you and me to know that that's exactly what he was saying. He's saying, I am the great I am. I, I, I am God. And so when John says in the beginning was the word and the word was what? With God and the word was God. Then he just, in my opinion, he just restates it again in, in verse 2. He was with God in the beginning. And he's giving us a hint when he's talking about this mutuality with God and his equality with God. He's starting to hint at one of the most difficult as believers and that is the trinity amen he's affirming yep jesus is deity but there's a there's another step and he doesn't take it here he just talks about the equality with god he's saying there is a plurality in unity but there's actually a third person that's in the mix as well god the father god the son and who god the holy spirit But he introduces this this understanding that that there is a plurality in unity. And what 
I've heard and I like to repeat when you. If you try to explain it, you will lose your mind. But if you deny it, you will lose your soul. Amen. You need to get on board this train. Amen. A train that that says that there is some something. Again, I warned you and I warned myself that of all the pursuits, this will be an improbable pursuit. Amen. I said it's the most important pursuit that you can have is finding out who Jesus is. But it is an improbable pursuit because there are some things that are just God has held close to his chest that he has not fully explained to us that he asks us to take on faith. He says, but you got to jump on board this train and understand that Jesus is the son of God and that there are three persons. The Jesus, I mean, God, the father, God, the son and God the Holy Spirit you have to understand he is full he is the logos he is the revelation of the divine intelligence and the divine essence you've got to get on board this train explain it or try to explain it you could very well lose your mind but if if, if Deny the, you will lose your soul. As I said, these things are written that you might believe and that Jesus is the son of God and believing ye might have what life in his name. And so. John introduces this, and we just want to walk it down just a little bit. This plurality of God. God is three in one. It's it's not overtly stated in Scripture. There, there, there's never, and and I know. Um, in first John chapter five, seven and eight in the King James Version, it does say that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, these three are one. But in the most the oldest manuscripts and the best preserved manuscripts, that verse does not appear in there. But we can piece together what God is saying around the the Trinity by everything that we see in Scripture and, and be able to wrestle with this doctrine and, and wrestle with this truth that God has revealed. And remember in Deuteronomy 29 and 29, it says something simple that I love. The secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but the things which have been revealed belong to us and our children forever that we might do all the works of this law. Amen. He's revealed something that is, is very difficult for our, to grasp but first let me clarify something for anybody in case it 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 is unclear there is only one god amen there's one god there is a plurality and unity deuteronomy 6 4 affirms that here O israel the lord our god the lord is 
one. Isaiah 45 and 5 says, I am the Lord. There is no other apart from me. There is no what? God. First Corinthians eight, four, another verse. So then about the eating food sacrifice to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and there is no God, but one. Amen. So there is only one God, but as the apostle John has introduced to us because of the eternity and mutuality and equality that you see between God, the father and God, the son, there is a plurality in, excuse me, in unity, three persons, father, son, and Holy Spirit. And if that is indeed the case, which it is, if God is indeed multi-personal, if you will, what would you expect to find in Scripture? What I can tell you is what you should and what I should expect to find is that when the word uh, that is applied to God is in the Hebrew or the Greek, it's in the plural. Amen. Elohim. The, the most frequently used name for God, including in the beginning, God created. That's Elohim. Elohim is a plural noun. Adonai, which is most commonly translated Lord in, in your Bible in the Old Testament, is a plural noun. Amen. And so that gives you some kind of indication about that. Uh, and also, <clears throat> excuse me, when you look at places in, in, in Genesis, uh, chapter, chapter three and Genesis chapter 11 or Genesis chapter one. It said, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Amen. Genesis 11 and seven. And when, when it was at the tower of, of, of Babel, uh, Babel, Genesis eleven seven, seven, uh, God said, come, let us go down. And confuse their language so that they will not understand uh, each other. And then in, his, in Isaiah 6 and, and 8, after Isaiah saw God high and lifted up, God said this to Isaiah, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And so that's what you would expect. And when you see those kind of curiosities, most scholars, including, I don't count myself a scholars, scholar, but most Bible uh, uh, practitioners will look at that and, and that's an indication of the plurality of God. Amen. Over and over in those, in those kinds of arrangements, we see that and you'll see plurality of God present in the work of creation. Amen. The Bible ascribes the work of creation to all three members of the Godhead. The Bible ascribes it to God the Father. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It ascribes it to God the Son. He says, for in Colossians 1 and 16, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him, meaning Jesus, and for him, meaning Jesus. And then in, and, and God, the Holy Spirit, Genesis one and two says, and then the, and then the spirit of God moved over what? The face of the waters. 
and dark and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And in Psalms 104 and 30, it says, thou sendest forth thy spirit and they are created and thou renewest the face of the earth. So again, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit, the only way the Bible attributes the work of creation to all three. That's because all three are one. Amen. And all deeply involved in the creative process. Also deeply evolved in the salvation process. The work of salvation. What does first Peter one and two say? One, one and two say, this is just an introduction and this is this is not throwaway theology, but it's, it's, it's deep as how he just literally just sets it up. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Elect according to what? The foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. He's saying in that work of salvation, it's the foreknowledge of God, the sanctification of the spirit and the sprinkling of the blood of the son, Jesus Christ. The work of salvation, the work of creation, even in the there's certain times when the the apostle Paul uh, and and, and the apostle Jude send out encouragement. And and in Second Corinthians 13 and 14, the apostle Paul says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. And in the baptism proclamation in that great. not the, in, in the, in, in the great, uh, um, commission in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, it says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. So not three gods, but three persons, equal in essence, though distinct in personality, though distinct in function, mutual concurrence and agreement, perfect function in unity at all times. Let me say that again. When God revealed who he is to us, it's three persons, equal in essence, Distinct in function, mutual concurrence and agreement, perfect function in unity at all times from the father through the son by the spirit back to the father. And just. To help us to really understand the equality of the Godhead. You could look at the scripture in John 5, 8 and 58 that we, that we mentioned. And then of course the, the one in our passage in John 1 and 1 to see the equality of the Father and the Son. You could also see the equality of the Father and the Spirit in a passage like in Acts chapter 5, when Peter says to Ananias, uh, why has Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost 
and to keep back part of the price of the land. You may remember that story. While it remaineth, was it not thine own? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. You lied to the Holy Ghost. You lied to God. Amen. First, first Corinthians 316 says, know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. He, the spirit of God dwells in you. That's why you're a temple and he designates you as the what temple of God. And then between the son and the spirit, when, when Jesus says in John chapter 14, I'm going to send a comforter to you. John 14 and 18, he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Woo. I will come to you. Philippians 1 and 19 says, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ, the spirit of Jesus Christ. That's a passage that lets you know Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus Christ. The father and the son are equal. The father and the spirit are equal. The son and the spirit are equal. All the bases are covered for us to understand that there is a plurality in unity. And again, I know there's people are saying, why is this important? There's some practical, there's a practical implication for us. Because he set up a couple of institutions where that plurality in unity is very important. And he wants to see it duplicated. Marriage is such an institution. And how we respond to the understanding that he says, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and the two shall become one. You see, we two becoming one. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know how we do that. I, I know you can't do it on the level we do it, is what God is saying. It, we're in perfect function and unity. But I need you to do it. Because you are, again, there's priority and authority and equality in the relationship of marriage. There are, we're supposed to be unified in terms of, uh, of being together, but there are distinctions in terms of personhood. Amen. He says, this is an example of what I'm trying to do. And when you reject what God, how God has revealed himself, you're saying, I don't like who you are. He says, this is who I am. I function as a plurality in unity. And I need to see that practice in the institution of marriage. That's what I'm doing. That's part of my, there's a pattern here that I'm, that I'm trying to emphasize to you. That is a revelation of myself. I want you to practice the pattern. Where else does he want it? What other institution in the body of Christ? There's so many times that we say over and over and over that we are a body made up of many parts, but we're supposed to be what? One. So we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of a Another. And in Philippians chapter one, he says, I want to come and see of you and I may hear of your affairs that she stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. 
And he says, fulfill my joy and be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. That's what he said in Philippians 2. And then he said, let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus. Who being equal with God or thought it not robbery to be equal with God because he humbled himself. And took on the body of a man and, and, and it was obedient unto death, performing his function in the distinction of his personhood and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God, the father. We see it play out. That's why it's important for you and for me to grasp it and to understand it. It is important for you and for me to grasp it and to what? Understand it. And here's the the last element that I want to just emphasize to you this morning about our brother, the Apostle John. When you... Lay it out this way. You limit choice. What are you saying, pastor? What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying this. John says you've got to grasp who he is. And I'm telling you that he is God in the flesh. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. The law came, but through Moses, but grace and truth, Jesus brought that. And he's saying, you know, who is he and what is he to you? He can only be the way John has set it up. He can only be three things. Only three. Lord. Liar. Lunatic. It's only three. He can't just be a nice guy. He can't just be a philosopher that had some followers 2,000 years ago and made an impact on culture uh, for a few thousand people or a few hundred thousand people. He can't just be a name that rings out. And, and it was like, again, where you look at him and say, he's among just like Gandhi, just like a, a Buddha, just like uh, uh, Confucius and some other great world thinkers or Muhammad, that, that these were these were guys that that had extra or extraordinary abilities or followers. John does not give you that luxury to be able to dismiss him. You've got to say he's a lunatic, meaning he knew he didn't know he was God, but he said it anyway. Amen. He's a lunatic. He literally is out of his mind. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's a lunatic. As he said over and over and over, I am God. Before Abraham was, I am. He says it over and over. I am my father. I won. And they picked up stones to stone him over and over again. So he's a lunatic. If not, he's a liar. Which means he knows he's not God. But he said it anyway. He's a liar just like he'd have to be a liar, just like the recent example of the liar that resides right now at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, who we might argue parenthetically is both liar and lunatic. But 
I digress. He's a liar. He's a liar. He knows he's not God. Either that, he has to be exactly who he says he is, and that means he's Lord. And then when you understand that Jesus is Lord, then he's saying worship him. If he's Lord, then follow him. If he's Lord, then wreck your old house and be certain of the new because that's who he is and that's what he is to you. You've got to wreck everything in your life. You have to consider it all dung. you got to count it as worthless for everything that you might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. you got to go after him hard. you got to understand that your life has no meaning. Your life has no purpose without the Lord of life in your life. His Literally life, and in him was life, and he is the light of men, and we'll get to that next week. But I'm telling you, you got to drop everything you're doing to hop on this Jesus train. Even if your mind can't grasp, and my mind can't grasp fully what it means for him to be fully God and fully man, what it means to have a plurality and unity, what it means to say that they have a, a unity of essence but a distinction in personhood, that there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And John could throw the mic down and say, deal with it. Lord, liar, or lunatic, choose. He's saying, I hope you understand who he is. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead. And he is Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord.